You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. Okay. Cool. Great. Good job. Hopefully, hopefully... Hopefully that, that'll be a good thing for the school. This is just an amazing place. I've just enjoyed it. Thanks for making me feel so welcome. And we're going to continue on talking about uh, the story today. But you know, there's just circumstances life that sometimes catch us off guard. It reminds me of this, this young couple. They're kind of newly married and she was pregnant. And late one night she got a craving. And having been through three daughters. I know this happened to my wife. She just got cravings for different things she wanted to eat. And late one night, she sent her husband. She's like, I want you to go to the grocery store tonight. And I'm feeling kind of fancy tonight, so I want some escargot. <laughs> Do you know what escargot is? Some of you know. Some of you. Yeah, it's a fancy word for snails. She wanted escargot. So he went to the store on his way he went and picked it up, and on his way back, he was going by a friend's house, and the light was on. It was late at night, and he saw through the window that he was playing video games, and being a gamer himself, he decided to stop in, and he started playing video games, and he got wrapped up, and all of a sudden, the whole night went by. He kind of fell asleep, and he woke up. It was like 8 in the morning. He thought, oh man, I'm a dead man, so he gets home as quick as he can, and when he gets home, he sees his wife pacing through the window. She's waiting for him, man. She's like going to let him have it. And he's like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And so he starts to walk up to the door and she sees him. She opens the door and he takes the snails out and he sets them all along, like going up into the door, up along the stairs. And she opens the door, getting ready to yell at him. And he looks down and he goes, okay, one more step, boys. We're almost there. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't get it. Just think about it later. You're a college student, you're smart, you'll figure it out. It's all about life circumstances and figuring it out, you know what I mean? So Joseph, we're following his story, and I think his story is so relevant, especially at your stage of life, because he was right around your age, and he's just getting these downloads of dreams, and it's taking him in places that so far really haven't been too pleasant. And I think there's something to that because as we were worshiping, I was just, just kind of praying and here I believe that God was kind of speaking to me just in your generation. Your generation I think is so important right now because coming through COVID and talking with many of you that graduated in 2020. If you graduated high school in 2020, raise your hands. That was just a crazy year to graduate. And having a daughter that's still in high school, it just... It really just kind of threw a whole curveball into her high school career. But, but talking with many leaders around the country in all facets of life, particularly like in the church, but in the business world and so many, like adults, we've had a hard time adjusting. And I just believe your generation is so important. And I'm just praying and hoping and believing that God is going to be downloading dreams and visions. And you're going to be a generation that will step forth into this world and really lead us in the direction that God wants to take us. Because we are the church. If you're a follower of Jesus, we are meant to go out into the world and to be the light of Jesus, no matter what happens. So Joseph, he was the favored son of Jacob, and his brothers didn't like that. They were jealous, so they betrayed him. They threw him in a well. They took his jacket. They lied to dad and said he died. 
They sold him as a slave to the Ishmaelites. They take him to Egypt. He goes in the service of Potiphar, his master, who worked for Pharaoh the king. And Pharaoh's wife tries to seduce Joseph. We talked about that last night. And he refused. And so now things get worse because now he's falsely accused and put into prison. And at the end of uh, chapter 39, it says, While Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Sounds familiar to Potiphar's house. Potiphar put Joseph in charge and didn't have to worry about anything because Joseph was so good. Now, Then we get to chapter 40 of Genesis. Chapter 40. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh, who was the king of Egypt, was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And they put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. Now, when you look at that and you go, the cupbearer and the baker, it sounds like a, 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 like a children's line. Like, oh, that's so cute, you know, the cupbearer and the baker. But these people were very important to someone like Pharaoh, especially during those times because they, they were a person that he had to trust. His life was in their hands literally because people trying to take over or come in and take control would often poison people like a Pharaoh and try to kill him and come in and take a coup and take over. And so the cupbearer and the baker were really important. And here they find themselves now in prison and Joseph is in charge of them. And after they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker, were being held in prison. They had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. And so Joseph came the next morning, and they were dejected. And he asked them, why do you look so sad? He knew something was going on. They had this dream. We both had dreams, they answered, but there was no one to interpret them. And Joseph said, don't interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. And then they go on to explain these dreams to Joseph. One dream actually ends up being really good for one of them, and one dream actually ends up really being bad for another one, and he ends up dying. And Joseph here gives them the interpretation. The first one gives their interpretation. Joseph gives a really positive interpretation of the dream he had. The other tells the dream to Joseph, And it's not a great interpretation of this dream, and he ends up dying. And Joseph says, listen to the one whose dream was good, who's going to be restored to his job. He says, when you go back to Pharaoh, don't forget about me. And so after that happens, it says the cupbearer, who was restored to his role back with Pharaoh after the dreams came true, it says in verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So here he is now, again, still being faithful. And one of the things to note here that's so important for you to grasp in your story and in this story is that Joseph's faithfulness was not defined by his circumstances. That the circumstances surrounding Joseph didn't affect his faithfulness to God. That throughout all this time, he kept continuing to be faithful. Even when maybe those dreams that he had at a young man of 17 seemed to be 
so distant in his past, and how could that ever become a reality? And we don't know, but perhaps Joseph still continued to hold on to that dream and vision that God had given him, but it had to have seemed impossible, and yet, in the impossibility of that situation, his circumstances didn't affect his faithfulness to God. And what I've often found in my own life is a great temptation is to allow the circumstances of my life to affect my faithfulness. And in the advent of social media, which you grew up with and you know no other world, but social media really highlights this in many ways because we see everyone else's good life. Everyone curates their social media for the most part, and so it's all the good stuff, right? None of the ugly stuff are on there, and nobody's life is really exactly what it is on on Instagram, social media, TikTok, whatever you're using, but when you look at that, you think, I wish I had that. I wish, I wish I was from that family. I wish I lived there. I wish I could take that vacation. I wish I had that car. I wish I had that relationship. And we look at our circumstances, and we go, well, I don't have that. And so, you know, and sometimes that can define our reality. And this can happen in everyday life. Remember there was a time that I had to travel uh, across the country, and I was driving from Ohio to Michigan, where I live, but before that, I had to take an airplane. It was kind of a weird trip where I flew halfway and drove halfway, so I flew from Charlotte, North Carolina to Columbus, Ohio, and then I was going to take uh, my car and drive from Columbus, Ohio to Grand Rapids, Michigan, so I got up early that morning, Charlotte, North Carolina, got to the airport, and my flights had changed. And it's kind of a mild annoyance, but I, I, just, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like, hey, pay attention today. So I got to the airport, and I was supposed to fly route through another city, but they ended up routing me through New York City. Now, this was Super Bowl weekend, so it was the first weekend of February, and the Super Bowl was happening in New York City, and I thought, man, if I get into there, it's going to be crazy. I may never get out of there. I want to get home. It's Friday night. So I got routed into New York City. I'm seeing that. I'm sitting there having breakfast in Charlotte, waiting for my flight, and a guy, I sit down to have breakfast. This guy just starts talking to me. It's kind of weird. Just strikes up a conversation, and we start talking, and I was able to share my faith, and I thought, okay, Lord, that's great. Maybe that's why, why you wanted this to happen today. So I get to New York City. I'm sitting there at the gate, and there's just thousands of people packed everywhere because it's Super Bowl weekend, and it's New York City on top of that. So I'm sitting there, and this guy, another guy, just starts talking to me. And I remember this guy because he owned a whiskey company. And it was interesting just to hear about, like, what he's doing. And I'm not a drinker, but I'm like, ah, just curious, you know, and I'm getting to meet this guy. And I thought it was interesting. And we started talking about faith. And I turned the topic to faith. I was able to share Jesus. And I stopped at one point just as we got into this incredibly... Uh, great conversation and I looked around and there's about 15 people just listening in on this conversation I thought okay Lord maybe maybe that's why and so I land in Columbus Ohio and I get in my car and I get in my old Subaru and I start to drive and it's about rush hour time on Friday night and it's starting to get dark because it's winter and so it's getting dark early and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I look down and my engine is just overheating and I wish I was a mechanic, maybe some of you are, I'm not, I thought, I don't know, like, I always just hope to open the hood and there's a big on-off switch and I just have to flip it back over, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what's going on under there. But when your car overheats, you don't drive. So I pulled over, 
the first exit I could in some random little suburbial town, and it's Friday night. By this time, all the garages closed. It was after 5 o'clock, and I thought, I could be sucker. I don't know what to do. I can't drive this thing. And so I decided to go into a Five Guys and let a burger just take my, drown my sorrows, you know? <laughs> so so I, went into, I went into Five Guys, and I just grabbed a burger, and somebody from across the room says, are you Jeff Eckert? Now, when somebody asks me that, if you ever find me on the street and you ask me that, my first question back will be, do I owe you money? I said, do I owe you money? He said, no. I go, then I'm Jeff Eckert. Okay, that's me. And he said, well, I went to one of your summer camps, NTS. Changed my life. And we sat down. We had this conversation. He started telling me about how he had drifted from his faith and was estranged from his family and all these crazy things, and we sat down, and he rededicated his life to Christ right there in Five Guys, and I thought, Lord, if that's the reason you wanted this to happen today. Well, I called a brother, and I said, what do I do with this car? I want to get home, and he goes, well, maybe you're low on coolant. Throw some coolant in the radiator, so I let it cool down, so I put some coolant in the radiator thinking, well, maybe that's it. Who knows? And I bought an extra one just in case. I thought, I'm going to just get home. I'm going to get in the car, and I'm just going to start driving. So I get in the car. It's about 7 o'clock at this point, and it's dark, and it's cold, and it's winter. And I'm driving, and as I'm driving, I look over, and I see a car about 15 minutes into my drive on the side of the road with some dudes standing outside and their hoods up. I'm like, man, those poor saps, at least I can get home. And then I pass them, and I thought, ah, I'm going to have to turn around and help them. It felt like I had to. I turned around. And I said, what's going on with your car? And they go, well, it's overheated and we need some coolant. I was like, well, it just so happens. And so I picked up one of the guys to take him up to the exit. The rest of them stayed with the car and his name was Jacob. And I said, Jacob, what's going on in your life, dude? He was about your age. He goes, man, I've had so many crazy things happen lately. I bought a bunch of pigs, and they died. My girlfriend just broke up with me. I lost my job, and I thought, man, you should write a country song. (laughs) I was like, your pigs died. What's up with that? He goes, well, it was an investment thing. I bought these pigs to make money, and they got a disease, and they all died. I lost all my money, and life was really going down. And I said, Jacob, let me be so bold to say that God sent me here today to remind you that he loves you. Let me tell you guys something. I wish, I wish I could stand up here and say that I'm like that all the time, that I was on point. I'm not. But let me tell you, whatever your circumstances are, some of you are in a circumstance right now, and it's just not working out. It's not going the way, you plan, the way you'd planned it, and you're heading in a direction. You're like, I don't know what to do, but you just kind of shut down. You shut down your antenna for God, your faith. You've stepped back, and God is saying, be faithful in your circumstances. Wherever you are right now, it's never going to be perfect. There's always a distraction. About a year ago, I got to sit down with General Mark Walsh. He was on the the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He was head of the U.S. Air Force fraud. He's one of the top leaders in the military in the country, the man who would sit down in the room with the president to make the key decisions. And he started talking to me about all the distractions that have happened in the world. You know, because we think, well, when things calm down in the world, when things are saved, and he's like, he took me back 100 years. He was like, in the 1910s, it was World War I. 
In the 20s, it was prohibition, which was a crazy thing in the United States. In the 30s, it was the Great Depression. In the 40s, it was World War II. In the 50s, it was the Korean War. In the 60s, it was all the riots and, and the unrest throughout the country and the assassinations. In the 70s, it was Watergate and with our president and the scandals there. In the 80s, it was the Cold War. In the 90s, it was the Gulf War. In 2000, it was um, 9-11, how that affected us. In the 2010s, it was the Great Recession, and then he took us to today in what I would call the Great Divide, where no one can get along. The point is, there's always going to be a distraction. There's always going to be circumstances around you that are crazy. It will never be settled. It will probably never even feel right. But Joseph here was faithful and he continued to be faithful. And his actions in prison define his destiny. When he was at his lowest point, it was his actions in prison that defined where that dream could become a reality. And you know, I, I, I'm not a great theologian. I dabble. You've got some great theologians here at this school. And I don't know the answer to these deep questions, but what if Joseph would not have been faithful? What if his actions would not have been right in these times? Would, would his dream still become a reality? And those are deep questions that I don't understand. But here's what I know. I believe there's some correlation somewhere between Joseph's actions and his dreams given to him by God. I believe that his faithfulness in those times, and some of you have dreams and visions that God is giving to you and he is pouring it out, and you need to know that your actions, even right now, you say, well, when I become a full-fledged adult, but your actions can define your destiny now. Don't wait. Be faithful today. Because God has something for you today. You know, somebody said something to me once, and I thought it was so good. They talked about the pain in life when you do the right thing or you don't do the right thing in the moment. They said there's either the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. You know, if you're doing things now where either you're not taking action or maybe you're just being openly disobedient to, to God in your life in whatever way that looks like, you know, there's the pain of discipline now to be disciplined in where God is leading you at this moment. And there's pain in that. For those of you that are athletes, we've talked about this, but you know what that's like in the summer when everyone else is sleeping in and you're getting up. Because you know if you don't get up, if you're not disciplined, if you're not working out in the off-season, if you're not continuing to get better, then someone else is going to take your place. And if you don't have that pain of discipline now, then later you're going to have that pain of regret, wishing that you would have done it. And I can tell you that's true for your walk with God. That's true in life, that if you have that pain of discipline now, if you're disciplined in the dark days, if you're disciplined in the prison moments, if you're disciplined when it doesn't make sense, when you have those looming questions of why and there's no answer, I'm telling you that God is faithful. And don't have that pain of regret because it will be there. It will be there. Some of you right now, you're in a relationship and it feels really good, but you know it's not right. You know that it's not what God has for you. And right now, it's like if you don't have that pain of discipline to be obedient right now, then you're going to have that pain of regret later in your life. 
So your actions now, in many, many ways, I believe, define your destiny. Are you being faithful and obedient? You know, this story kind of ends, ends really sad because it says, you know, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. He was forgotten. Joseph was forgotten by others, but he was not forgotten by God. I take such hope in that. I take such hope in the fact that when others forgot Joseph, there he was for years. But God didn't forget him. God's not forgotten you. God has not forgotten wherever you might be, and you might feel totally lost, like, I don't know where my life is going, and I don't know what's happening. God, he has not forgotten you. 2020, we all remember it. 2020 drastically changed my, my life personally. I was planning an event that I had dreamed of for 10 years, beginning in 2010. And we were going to do a national gathering of 100,000 students right in the middle of the country in Kansas. And we had raised almost $2 million. It was, it was miraculous. I've told you some crazy stories, but the way this money came in was just absolutely nuts. One day we needed... $500,000 on that day, and we opened up the mailbox or office, and there was a check for $500,000 written by hand. Things like that. Crazy stuff. All these signs and miracles leading up to this moment where we're going to call the students of our nation to pray for their schools, and it just felt everything was so clear leading up to that moment, and then COVID happened, and it just all fell apart. We never did the event like we had planned to do it. And it was one of the most difficult times in my life, and I'm telling you, I thought God had forgotten me. I thought God had tricked me. It just didn't make sense. Everything seemed to be going this direction. It was like God, maybe even out of cruelty, just pulled the rug out from under me, and I thought, this doesn't even make sense. Well, through a long set of circumstances, I took a walk, mentioned it yesterday, from Indiana to Kansas in June of 2020. And through, um, through the pain and suffering of my own life, God led me to something that happened in 1838 called the Trail of Death. It actually begins a few miles from here. On September 4th, 1838, about a thousand Potawatomi Native Americans were gathered up and forcibly removed from their homes that were burned down and marched from Indiana to Kansas. And along the way, mainly children, but also the elderly, died. And that's how it got its name later, the Trail of Death. And I found that in my own pain, God led me to think about something that happened a long time ago that didn't really even make sense. But I have a really close friend of mine who's a mentor named Nigel Big Pond. He's a Yuchi Native American. He's a dear friend. And he began to talk to me about what this trail meant. And I'd been processing this beginning in 2018. And I felt like God had called me to take a walk. And my friend Nigel said, you need to take this walk and you need to tell the story. And so we're making a documentary. I want to show you the the trailer here and have you take a look at it. Let's watch. 
I'm walking to remember, to pay tribute, to pray, and to ask for God's healing in our country. This trail is a living example of the brokenness in our world that still exists today. It was a forced removal of the Potawatomi Nation from northern Indiana to Kansas. The 660 miles, I'll be prayer walking along the trail of death over the next 21 days tracking where they walked across the Midwest. I've invited some friends along with me that have some inspiring stories of redemption in their own lives. And I believe from hearing these stories, we can learn how we can break through the sins of our past and experience healing. To the person who's received injustice, half recompense is, is not recompense. I can't even explain how much God has sustained in the midst of one of the hardest earthly things for a, a, a parent to experience. I mean, just in America, the people aren't good at acknowledging what has been done in the past. If we can have this understanding that is not just being able to forgive, but have a level of compassion, it's gonna breed a lot of wholeness moving forward and the ability to reconcile. You can't take God's song away from a people. We're all adopted into God's family, but as the people of God, we get to adopt everyone else, you know, into that same family. This is the fullness of Christ on the earth. This is what the body of Christ is meant to be. Our stories from our past are so important. What we inherit if we don't allow God to transform that brokenness, we will transmit that to the next generation. So we need to understand our brokenness so that God can heal us and we can pass on healing to the next generation. so many lessons I learned that I could just go on and on, but I want to say this, that how you handle your pain will define who you are. Some of you are in prison right now, just like Joseph, and you know what's important for you to remember is you can feel sorry for yourself, and maybe it's unfair, but I love Joseph's spirit in that he was continuing to help people and use the gifts that he did to bring joy and help to others. You just never know what God might do in your life. Some of you coming out of COVID, there's some things that happened that brought pain into your life, into your family, into your world. Or maybe you recognize pain in a new way and what you do with that will define who you are. My encouragement is to find Christ in that pain. He's not forgotten you.
He's with you. He is for you. Father, I pray for my friends. I thank you for what you're doing this week, and I thank you for the ways that you're changing our hearts, Lord. As we gather again tonight and tomorrow morning, I pray your Holy Spirit would not only rest upon us as we sang earlier, but God, we would be openly surrendered to whatever it is you would want to call us to or say to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to see you tonight at 8 and tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the morning. All right, have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.